A dog barks when his master is attacked. I would be a coward if I saw that God's truth is attacked and yet would remain silent. John Calvin. Telling a woman that she can't be an elder is a nonsense rule. If they claim to be in the body, we let them have it. Uh, Donald Trump is going to win in 2020 by an absolute landslide. Christianizing the American dream. I said that you, uh, that, that many LDS folks and I uh, love the same Jesus. Uh, I still believe that. Sawing is a blessing from God to make you rich. Treating Jesus like a lottery ticket. The Lord spoke to my heart. Then very few times I've ever heard God be this articulate with me. And I'm telling you word for word, these words came into my heart. I'm not asking you with I'm asking you to brush your hair. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to The Master's Dog, episode 142. I'm your host, Norm, The Master's Dog Dunham, a.k.a. The Evangelical Norm. So, The Master's Dog podcast is just a podcast I do dealing with false teachers, false doctrine, uh, false gospels, false prophets, you name it. If it's coming against God's truth, like the John Calvin quote at the beginning of the introduction, I bark. So it started out uh, a couple years back, the uh, podcast known as the Three Mormons, which became Saints Unscripted, uh, started a segment of their podcast called Faith and Beliefs, and they were addressing the um, LDS Articles of Faith. And so I wanted to interact with those videos and show how they didn't line up with biblical Christianity. Um, so once they finished that and they continued on with issues of doctrine and so on, I committed that I would respond to every one of those videos. <clears throat> excuse me, and uh, called the podcast Faith and Beliefs Refuted. Um, down the road, as different false teachers are popping up and, and gaining popularity within uh, Christendom, I decided I wanted to respond to more and more of those, people like Stephen Furtick, Jory Micah, Rob Bell, stuff like that. So um, I expanded it to being more than just dealing with the LDS podcast, and that's when I changed the name to The Master's Dog, again, based off of that quote, and that's what you got. So there's a little background on the podcast for those who are new. Again, I'm starting to see things slow down a little bit, and had a huge uptick in uh, subscribers. Um I think some of that came off of the shout out we got from cross politic, um, stuff like that. But mostly it is you guys, you guys who comment, uh, like share the videos, um, any way you interact with the video, it causes the algorithm to make it more accessible through searches and so on. So thank you all who have done that. Um, if you haven't subscribed already, hit that subscribe button, hit the notification, get all the content I release here on the Evangelical Norm channel on YouTube. Um, got a couple more podcasts that I'm, I'm going to try to get a couple in today, um, but probably Saturday, got three or four after the False Teacher of the Week. Um, I'm actually playing catch up with this podcast today. I was supposed to do this last week um, and missed it. So a few coming out, uh, unsolicited episode probably coming out on Saturday with a couple of videos that people have asked me to respond to, and I just haven't gotten around to them, so I'm going to do that. Uh, Saturday, it will be the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, there's a little teaser for you on that. So you can get all that stuff. Um, but today we are back to the the basics of what this podcast was and dealing with the um, 
Saints Unscripted and Faith and Beliefs. And today, David is going to talk about a little bit about what they believe about final judgment um, in the plan of the plan of salvation. And so we'll let him go and we'll talk about it as we go and we'll see what is happening. So here is our buddy, David Snell from Saints Unscripted. Hey everyone, so throughout this series we've done a lot of episodes about what Latter-day Saints call the plan of salvation. In these two episodes we gave you sort of a bird's eye view of this plan, but then we've also taken some time to go more in depth on a variety of subjects, such as pre-mortality, the spirit world, the second coming, the resurrection, the millennium, heaven and hell, etc. Today we're going to dive a little deeper into the final judgment. Okay. All right, so while Latter-day Saints believe in a final judgment, we really don't think that the outcome of your judgment is going to be much of a surprise to you. It's not gonna be this anticipatory situation where you're crossing your fingers hoping for a good grade. C plus, oh no, it can't be. It won't be surprising because before the final judgment, there will be a couple of mini judgments, so to speak, that are going to clue you into what your final judgment is going to look like. For example, Latter-day Saints believe that when mortals die, their physical bodies of course go into the ground, but their spirits continue to live on in what we simply call the spirit world. As Alma chapter 40 in the Book of Mormon explains, the righteous will be received into a state of paradisiacal happiness in the spirit world, while the wicked will be received into a state of, for lack of a better word, hell, which we talk more about in this episode. There's obviously a form of judgment going on here. Now, when Christ comes... Okay, let's wait a second, because here as we look, and if you know what the LDS plan of salvation is and so on, all of these people in prison have an opportunity to be baptized, and they're constantly being baptized, which means they would be crossing over to, into paradise. So, I mean, it's really not an issue of, like, weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth it's just a matter of waiting for somebody to come you know all these people from paradise are supposed to be missionaries going into the prison area and preaching the gospel and then people here on earth are being baptized for them and so it's like a constant flux of people coming out um it would here's the thing if you're already dead and you're in this place and you're like, oh, this, I'm, you know, knew about Jesus and rejected all this stuff. There would be nobody in their right mind who would not accept that kind of an offer, right? Oh, we can baptize you and you don't have to be here and blah, 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 right? This is why this Bible says it is appointed once for man to die and then judgment. There is no opportunity after death to come out of prison or any of those things to be saved. Once it is, once you're dead. That's it. That's it. That's why we are so adamant about preaching the gospel all the time. Again, we believe he will reign personally on earth for a thousand year period known as the millennium, which we talked about in this episode. Eventually, we believe that every single person who has lived and died, righteous or wicked, will be resurrected. But as we talked about in this episode, not everyone will be resurrected at the same time. People will be resurrected at different periods throughout the millennium, and the order in which you are resurrected correlates with the degree of heaven you have prepared yourself to receive through your choices in mortality. Thus, your resurrection will also be a mini-judgment of sorts. Works-based salvation. What you did, how you lived, determines that. And then here's the other thing. This, I gotta mention it. Um, 
if you're a female and you're married in the temple, you don't get resurrected until your husband calls you out by the name that you were given in the temple. Those resurrected at the beginning of the millennium will be those prepared to inherit the celestial kingdom. In mortality, they strove to live according to celestial law, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Those resurrected later on during the millennium will have lived according to terrestrial law, and those resurrected at the end of the millennium, telestial law. If you lived according to a lower law, you cannot receive a higher kingdom. But the final official judgment won't happen until the millennium has ended. On our church's website, we read, God the Father, through Jesus Christ, will judge each person to determine the eternal glory he will receive. This judgment will be based on each person's obedience to God's commands, including his acceptance of the atoning sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Works-based salvation. I mean, it's 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 plain. They 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 try to say, oh, it's by grace and it's by Jesus' atonement, and because He died, we all have the opportunity. Blah blah blah. It's all works. It's all works, and it's and and it's it's works in universalism. Everybody gets to go to heaven, one level of heaven or another. You know, the Quaku who used to be on the the three uh, Mormons and Saints Unscripted. Uh, used to complain about Christians talking about, he would talk about, uh, you know, the Nazi soldier and Anne Frank and that Christians believe Anne Frank, who never repented, and we don't know if she did or not, went to hell and the Nazi soldier who might have repented went to heaven. And it's like, well, here's the thing, your Nazi soldier from Mormonism gets to go to Essentially, if Anne Frank never repented, she was probably considered a good person and she goes to the Telestial Kingdom or the Terrestrial, I can't remember which is which, um, Terrestrial Kingdom. And the Nazi who never repented will go to the Telestial Kingdom, the lowest level, without ever repenting at all. Because universalism, Jesus gets everybody into one level of heaven or another, and then works-based salvation, you determine which kingdom you go into based on how you lived and your works. And then, you know, um, let's just ignore Paul talking about um, we are saved by grace, so that no, not of works, so that no man can boast. I, Joseph Smith even said, I have more to boast of than any man ever. Remember that at the end of the day, it is Christ's grace that makes all of this possible for us. In the Encyclopedia of Mormonism, we read that at this final point of eternal accountability, each individual is to be judged according to the degree of knowledge and opportunity available during mortal probation. On the basis of records kept both on earth and in heaven, each individual will be judged according to works, desires, and intent of the heart. M. Russell Ballard has taught, when he does judge us, I feel he will take all things into consideration. Our genetic and chemical makeup, our mental state, our intellectual capacity, the teachings we have received, the traditions of our fathers, our health, and so forth. Christ will factor in everything and his judgment will be fair. And please understand that God is not looking for reasons to exclude people from his presence. He wants you with him. Some people are worried that their judgment will be totally public and they'll be embarrassed in front of Except for the fact that Righteousness and justice is the foundation of God's throne. So sin must be punished. And uh, evil, you know, those who are, are workers of iniquity will go to hell. We, I mean, it, it's not that God is looking for, uh, looking for a reason to separate. There is a reason. It's called justice. And again, as we look at this, and I, I 
I wish I had the, I need to make a, a, a like a, a full-on picture of the quote so I can get Darren right and not have to just paraphrase him. But the reality is, is and I, I love to quote my friend Darren Colwell, um, who's a pastor here in Ogden, and he, you know, he said it in a class years and years ago. Um, for the believer, for the non-believer, justice demand that God look upon their sin and look upon the sin that they have committed and for the believer, justice demands that God look upon the cross. So when we go to our final judgment, there, there's going to be either one of two things. Either God is going to look at the works, like he just said, everything we did here on earth, and then say, you know, depart from me, essentially. For those who are believers in Christ, who have repented and put their faith in Christ, God will work. The Father, the Father will look at the the works of Christ because we will be under those works. We put those works on when we repent, put our faith in him. When we are in Christ, there's therefore no more condemnation. We are in Christ and justice requires that God look at what Christ did for us, the penalty that he paid for our sin. It has nothing to do with my works or anything else. It is Christ's work that gets me to heaven. And that's it their friends and family as their sins are made known. I can't find any scriptural support for that, so I personally suspect your judgment won't be a big public spectacle. But in any case, when you're looking into the eyes of Christ himself on the day of judgment, I can't imagine you're going to be too concerned about what anyone else thinks of you. The scriptures do delegate some judgment authority to other prophets or righteous disciples, but it's unclear how exactly that's all going to look or play out at the final judgment. We'll find out. Yeah, Joseph Smith said that he would be judging everybody alongside of Christ. We get there when we get there. Now, sometimes we can get caught up in checklist approaches to repentance. We've got a list of steps, and we've got to go through each step for each sin for repentance to be complete and efficacious. This leads some people to worry, what if there's a sin I committed when I was a teenager that I forgot to repent for? It's third grade, I cheated on my history exam. In fourth grade, I stole my Uncle Max's toupee and I glued it on my face. We're going to talk more about repentance in another episode, but I want you to remember Enos from the Book of Mormon. When Enos was forgiven for his sins, God didn't say, Because thou hast followed the step perfectly for each of your sins, thou art made whole. Instead, we read that forgiveness came because of thy faith in Christ. Thy faith hath made thee whole. A list of steps of how to repent can be helpful, but don't let a dogmatic adherence to a checklist crowd out the author and finisher of our faith, Jesus Christ. Okay, so... The way that they present repentance, repentance is a work. The way that biblical Christianity presents repentance, repentance is a gift. Repentance is something that God gives to us. It says it in the Bible. It is a gift that we are given from God. Repentance isn't a, a, a list of steps or anything like that. It literally is the regeneration in Christ. We change the way we think, which is what repentance means, metanoia the changing of your mind, the change the way you think. We stop thinking of ourselves as good people. We stop uh, depending on our own works for salvation. We recognize our need for a Savior, and we follow after Christ. We repent, we put our trust in Him, and we follow after Him, and base our, our trust on His works and His works alone, and none of ours. That's what repentance is. It's a gift. It's not something that we do. It's something that we're given by God when we, and yeah, 
I guarantee you there's a sin you have committed that you don't remember. I promise you. There's probably hundreds. So it's not a matter of getting every single one and repenting for every single one. It's a blanket thing where we go, God, forgive me. And then we are turned and we we turn away from our sin and we begin to walk in holiness, in sanctification. And God is changing us and making us better and, and looking back and going, well, we're not where we used to be, but we'll never be where we think we need to be according to what workspace theology would tell you you need to be. We repent and we trust Christ. The fact that he died and he paid the penalty for our sin so that we know that in him we are, are given his righteousness and in him we are the righteousness of God. So it's all based on him and nothing of our own. Does that mean we don't do any good works? No. Once we are saved, we want to. And it's not that those things keep us saved or make us any more saved. It's because we are saved, we have the desire to. And that is a, a sign. It is fruit in bearing fruit in keeping with repentance. It is you know, watching somebody who was like an absolute porn addict who now hates porn or, you know, I mean, any number of things. A kleptomaniac who no longer steals and, and works to give to those people and so on. All these things, you know, Zac- Zacchaeus is a, a great picture of like, I'm going to pay these people back and blah, blah, blah. This is... That it's the fruit in keeping with repentance. It's a sign of somebody who is saved. That they begin to do, that their, their attitude and their hearts and their minds are changed and they desire to do good works. Right? It's none of that keeps us saved. Works don't keep us saved. They don't add to our salvation anything else. But it shows the heart of someone who is truly repented in their attitude of wanting to no longer sin. H. Oaks has taught, the final judgment is not just an evaluation of a sum total of good and evil acts, what we have done. It is an acknowledgement of the final effect of our acts and thoughts, what we have become. As 2 Nephi 9 teaches, when you appear before Christ, you will have a perfect knowledge of your wickedness or your righteousness. You will recognize the judge as your Messiah. You will know what he has done for you, and he will judge you with perfect justice and perfect mercy. There's a lot we don't know about how the final judgment is going to work, but we do know enough to adequately prepare. So, here's the deal. I think he's pretty much done. Let me just... ...ourselves for that day. Turn to Christ. Become more like him and strive to live as he did. For more on this topic, check out the resources in the YouTube description. All right, so we're done with him. And again, turn to Christ. Be more like him. It's it's. He's even given you works in this in this case. So... Here's the situation. Here's the deal. When it comes to the final judgment, now there will be a, a, a different situation for those who are saved. Again, it says that the, the works that we did will be tried in fire based on our intention and our uh, intent on, on those things, right? Did we do those for Christ or did we do those because we thought they would keep us saved or they would, you know, everything I just talked about. And it'll be burned in fire and then and the, the, Ill intentions, our personal, uh, you know, what we did for, for what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, God, I can't, I should never do podcasts when I'm tired because I lose the words that I want to say. Um, ambition, 
you know, vain ambition, if we do these things to make ourselves look better in, in the eyes of men or any of those things, those are burned away. But what we did truly out of repentance and gratitude for what Christ did for us, those are made into crowns and we get those crowns. But then it says we cast them at Christ's feet anyway. So we're not keeping those crowns. We're casting them at his feet. But here's the situation. If we're looking at final judgment, if we're looking at the judgment of, of saved and unsaved of these people who will stand before God, again, kind of going back to what Darren had said and the quote that I love, um, and I wish I had it exact. I'm going to find that and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to commit that to memory once again. But if you are standing before God and counting on your own works and he is looking at the works that you did, you're in trouble because if God is judging you based on your own works, you're bound for hell. Bottom line, no way around it. If God is looking at you and judging you on the works of Christ because you have repented and put your faith in him, you're golden because you've been given his righteousness. You have made that great exchange. He nailed your, your sin to the cross and he gave you his righteousness. So when we stand before God, the, the unbeliever will be judged according to his works and cast into hell. The believer will be judged based on Christ's works and accepted into heaven. And that's biblical judgment. That's what it is. It's, it's not levels of kingdoms or anything like that. It's heaven or hell. That's it. There's no levels of kingdoms. What Mormonism presents as celestial, celestial, or terrestrial, or however they do that, that it's just not there. There's no there there. There's nothing scriptural to support that. It's all the figment of Joseph Smith's imagination that he made it all up. And that's truth. Look at what the scripture says. Go read the Bible, the New Testament, the things that Jesus says about hell. And again, there are going to be people who are surprised. Because he t Jesus tells us in Matthew, he says, On that day there are going to be people who come to me and say, Lord, Lord, did we not do these things in your name? Did we not cast out demons? Did we not do this stuff in your name? People who firmly believe, who have been led astray by false teachers like Charles Taze Russell and Joseph Smith and Stephen Furtick and Joel Osteen and Jory Micah and Rob Bell and all these other false teachers. People who have been led astray by those people who fully think they are saved based upon the false gospel that these people attribute, give to them. They're going to stand before Jesus and go, Lord, didn't we do this stuff in your name? You know, they're going to go, they're going to go, Lord, didn't we do everything that David Snell just mentioned in this thing? We did these things and we did these works and we, we lived according to your law and we tried to be obedient and all this stuff. And he's going to say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. Let that, let the weight of that sit on you for a moment. Because it is only those who repent and put their faith in Christ and trust in his work and his work alone that come will come to him and go, Lord, Lord, did we not trust in what you did for me? And those are going to be the ones that he will say, you know, enter into your master's rest. Well done, good and faithful servant. So, 
there you go, guys. Hopefully this was helpful. Hopefully, uh, you know, made sense or whatever. Um, my Mormon friend, please flee the false doctrine of Mormonism. Find a Bible-believing church where you can hear the true gospel of Christ. Repent and put your trust in him and his work alone. And for my Christian friend, as always, preach the gospel at all times. Use words. They're necessary. And until next time, Soli Deo Gloria.